0: This is our second week in our sermon series, Suffering and Sovereignty. not about you, but I'm not sure how attractive that title is to most people. We're studying this by looking at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. Last week, in our introduction, we saw that Joseph's brothers hated Joseph, with a capital hate. And a big part of that hatred was due to their father's uh, Jacob's favoritism they hated Joseph enough to sell him to slave traders and then fake his death so this is some pretty serious hate as we're going to see God is preparing Joseph for Joseph's key role in God's plan for Jacob's family and Jacob's family including those brothers that hate him so much that sell him off God is going to turn that family into the nation of Israel Today, we're going to see Joseph's life as a slave and then Joseph in prison, which is really a most unusual training program, and I don't think any of us would sign up for it. So remain seated as we read together uh, from Genesis 39, two sections of Scripture, first verses 1 to 6, and then verses 19 to 23. Let's read together. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. And now the second section. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So as we look at at, uh, these verses, this is going to cover Joseph's life for about 13 years, from age 17 to age 30. Today we're going to be looking at Genesis 39 and chapter 40. And even though, and, and of course, I don't know about you, but I'd really like to know the details. How many years was he in Potiphar's house? How many years was he just a, a, you know, the new slave on the block, the dweeb, before he rose to power? How long was he in prison? We don't know any of those details. But we do know he was in prison for more than two years. But this is 13 years of his life. Well, as chapter 39 opens, Joseph is a slave and he is the property of Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard for the pharaoh. Egypt and Pharaoh is basically the king and recognize we're talking about God's sovereignty it is no accident at all that Potiphar is the one who buys Joseph as a slave. Now Joseph is experiencing the result of his brother's sin against him. He's in a foreign country he's a slave this is not the life that Joseph would have chosen for himself at all. And you might ask, well, why didn't God stop the brothers? If God doesn't like sin, why doesn't He stop all sin? Well, God didn't stop Joseph's brothers because God's plan for Joseph was for Joseph to end up in Egypt. And God used the brother's sin to get Joseph to Egypt. He also used the brother's sin to do a work in the brothers who needed a lot of work and change. And he was using their sin. To do a work in Joseph as well. What about you? Have you had something, maybe not exactly the same, but somebody sinned against you in a significant way, or maybe you had a major personal catastrophe and your life has changed? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Well, the first thing that we are told in verse 2 is that the Lord was with Joseph. So remember that just because life is hard for you right now, it does not mean that God is against you. In fact, did you notice as we read the phrases that were underlined? You see the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph four times, and we're told twice, two times, that God made Joseph succeed. Now you might think that slave and God is with him should not go together. I think that in some ways you and I are still attracted to the idea that good things happen to good people. Or the church version of this, if you serve God, everything will go well for you. And we think that even though you do not see it anywhere in the Bible. In fact, God says, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulties. This is a broken world. In both of these sayings, good things happen to good people and the other one. The foundation is us doing good. But remember, God makes it very clear on our own, our best isn't good to God at all. So God is with Joseph while Joseph is a slave and God makes him successful. Then we're told that Potiphar sees that God made Joseph successful. So in a small way, God uses Joseph as a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, who happens to be Joseph's great-grandfather. And God's promise was that through Abraham's descendants, God would bless the world. Now, the ultimate fulfillment of that is Jesus. But here we see a small example of God blessing Potiphar, an Egyptian, because of his association with Joseph. Now, Potiphar's a smart man. He sees, look, here's this guy Joseph, I bought him off the slave block, but now, look, his God is blessing everything he touches. This is more than just innate ability. Everything he touches is successful. So, Potiphar puts him in charge of everything in his house. In the house itself, all the fields he has, everything that Potiphar owns. And so in a sense, even though Joseph is still a slave, Joseph becomes the number two man in Potiphar's house. And we're told the result of this is that God prospered Potiphar for Joseph's sake. Now, just stop again and think a minute and put yourself in the place of the characters in this true account. It's not just a myth. Think if you were Joseph. You... You're, you're, you've been with your dad with your family there's lots of tension there you see all that your brothers get angry with you they sell you as a slave God has given you a dream a couple of dreams that don't fit with where you are and most likely Joseph did not see a connection God I, I remember the dreams you gave me but here's where I am at right now and I don't see how this has anything to do with that and so I think on the one hand he's most likely thankful that God's put him in a, a good place, and God has blessed him and given him success. And he's thankful for that, but probably also a little confused about, okay, God, I don't see the connection yet on what's going on. Well, so here's Joseph. He's a slave, but now very successful, and the number two guy in the house. So you say, okay, well, I can see his situation. It's not the greatest, but it's bearable. He's a slave, but he's in a high position of responsibility and respect, and then trouble comes. Not only did Potiphar notice Joseph, to put him in charge of everything, but Potiphar's wife noticed Joseph, and she starts chasing him. Now, this is really awkward for Joseph, and she's persistent. You get the impression that this goes on for some time. Now, this is a sermon series on sovereignty. So we're saying God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. And Joseph here is being tempted. The logical conclusion there then is God is allowing this temptation, which he is. We'll talk about that again in a little bit. But Joseph is kind of stuck. He can't just move to another place, get another job. He's a slave. Okay? He can't get out of the situation. And so again, Potiphar's wife is chasing after him and finally... Potiphar's wife is able to get Joseph alone. And she presses her desire. And Joseph refuses again. But this time, she's got him alone and she grabs his shirt. Now it says in the text, garment. But think, he grabs his shirt. Well, he runs. He runs so hard that he runs out of his shirt. She's holding it and he's gone. But before uh, he runs away... He says something to Potiphar's wife in Genesis 39, starting in verse 8. But he, Joseph, refused, refused her, and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, you look at verse 8 and 9, and it might seem just a tad confusing. Joseph is not being arrogant at all, especially in verse 9. What he's saying to Potiphar's wife is, look, Potiphar gave me his authority over everything in the house except you. Now, if he's making this case about Potiphar, why doesn't he then say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? Makes sense, right? He says, no, no, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Anytime you and I sin against someone else, which is, we do often enough, anytime we do, we sin against God because God commands us to love him and to love others. Now, as you look at Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife in this whole situation, there's something missing in Joseph's attitude, and there's something that is there that we can see. Now, at this point, Joseph has been a slave for at least a few years, maybe more. And what you don't see in this is you don't see any anger against God, towards God for his circumstances. Because you know what? If Joseph was going to complain, this would be a really good place to complain. God, look, what did I do that my brothers sold me into slavery? Now I'm in slavery and you've given me the success and now I've got this mess and I don't know how to get out of this mess with Potiphar's wife chasing after me. Okay, God, you've messed up. Too often when you and I have difficulties, don't we complain against God? Don't we get angry? Don't we think, God, you messed up? Well, you see a lot of complaints in the Bible. You also see something called a lament, which I'm gonna talk about in a little bit and the difference between the two. Joseph doesn't complain. What you do see in Joseph's response is he wants to please God. He says no to the temptation. Well, how is it that Joseph and you and I can say no to temptation? We can say no when we're tempted, when we desire to please God more than we desire the temptation so here Joseph has done what is right God has blessed him he has honored Potiphar not only in his work that resulted in him being the, the number two position but here particularly with Potiphar's wife he has honored Potiphar he's obeyed God and you would think that something good would happen next but no no instead Joseph is betrayed by Potiphar's wife she lies She's a woman scorned, so she falsely accuses Joseph when she's the one who's guilty, and as we read in our verses, which were pretty brief, Potiphar, when he finds out about the situation, is angry, and he puts Joseph in prison. Now, it's the understanding of many historians that Normally in that situation, a slave, if that was, he was in that situation, would have been put to death. And so there's speculation, and that's what it is, because we don't know for sure. Speculation that maybe Potiphar is not totally convinced of his wife's truthfulness. And so instead of killing Joseph, he puts him in prison. And in fact, in the movie that came out about this, about the story called Joseph, King of Dreams, that's how they portray it. Potiphar is not totally convinced, and so he puts Joseph in prison. Well, in any case, Joseph goes from what's, you know, I think most people would say it's a bad but bearable situation. He's a slave, but he's number two in the house to being in prison, which is a horrible situation and totally unjust. Well, so now he's in prison, and the first thing that we are told after Joseph ends up in prison is that God is with him. Well, at this point, some people would say, you know what, if this is what happens when God is with you, I don't want God to be with me. Okay, I don't want that kind of mess. Well, God's ways are not our ways. And remember this too, often God's ways seem foolish to us. But they're not. Just like a little toddler who wants the cookie or wants whatever they want to play can't understand why mom and dad aren't agreeing it's the most logical thing in the world for this to be the next thing to happen for me to get the cookie to be able to play the game I want to play but mom and dad are saying no what does the toddler usually do throws <laughs> a fit okay well just as joseph rose to be number two in Potiphar's house we see that Joseph ends up becoming number two in the prison. Now, he's still a slave, and he is still a prisoner. But he's put in charge of all the other prisoners. And we're told again, whatever Joseph did, God made it succeed. Now we come to Genesis 40. The Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told, is somehow offended by his chief cupbearer and his baker. And he puts them both in prison. Now, both of these are positions of trust. We don't have cup bearers today. We do have bakers. Maybe you have a favorite bakery. But back then, the cupbearer taste-tested everything that Pharaoh drank to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Okay, so the cupbearer has a vested interest in making sure that everybody else around him that's providing everything is on the up and up and is good. The baker makes food for Pharaoh to eat. So you can see how they are positions of trust. But he's been offended by them, throws them in prison, and they are in prison for more than just a few days. And one night, both men have dreams. Now, back then, dreams were considered very important. Not about you, I have dreams at night, but usually when I wake up, I cannot remember what I dreamed. But these guys had the dreams, and they remember what the dreams were, but they don't know what they mean and so they are upset. Because they want to know, they know they have significance but they don't know what they mean. Let me just pause here and ask a question. When you and I are having some problems and difficulties and we're feeling pressed in, isn't it our natural response to that to just kind of turn in, focus on ourselves, forget about the people around us? Okay. Well certainly Joseph has that opportunity to be feeling that, but we read that when Joseph sees the two men the morning after they have their dreams, he notices that they're troubled. He is not wrapped up in his own world and blind to everybody else. He's not just focusing on his own troubles and his desires. And so he talks to them and he says, he tells them, look, God is the one who interprets dreams when he finds out that they've had these. And he says, tell me the dreams and let's see if God won't give an interpretation so you can know what it means. And so they tell him the dreams and God gives Joseph the interpretation. So the cupbearer begins. He says, I had a dream and in my dream there's a grapevine with three branches and the branches have grapes on them and I squeeze the grapes into a cup and I serve the the grape juice to Pharaoh. And God tells Joseph who shares it with the cupbearer, This means that you're going to be restored to your position in three days. Well, that's really encouraging, okay? Because the Pharaoh was king. His word was law. Anything could happen, as we will see. Well, then Joseph says to the cupbearer, look, this is great news for you, but do me a favor. When, When you're freed, remember me when you're restored to your position. You have you're not only in a position of trust, but that means that Pharaoh listens to you. Tell him what's going on. See if, because you know, Pharaoh outranks Potiphar. So let's see maybe if I can't get out of prison. Can you help me? Would you do that? Well, the baker's encouraged, and so he tells Joseph his dream. In his dream, he's got three baskets of food that he's holding and birds come and they eat out of the baskets. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Joseph isn't happy just like Daniel wasn't when he did one of um, what's-his-face's dreams, Nebuchadnezzar's. Because he has to tell the baker, okay, here's what yours means. You're going to die in three days. And it happens just as God told Joseph. The cupbearer is restored and the baker dies. But the cupbearer does not remember Joseph. Now we saw last week, Joseph is betrayed by his brothers when they sell him into slavery. This week, Joseph was betrayed by Potiphar's wife when she lies. And now, in a sense, he's being betrayed by the cupbearer because he's just being forgotten. And think of, again, put yourself in Joseph's place. There's a glimmer of hope when you tell the cupbearer he's going to be restored to his position. Two years go by. Isn't he at least tempted to be depressed, to, to be unhappy, um, to, to, to kind of dwell on all of these things these people have done against me? But you look at the entire life of Joseph, you don't ever see any indication that he's going to, when he has the opportunity, that he's going to get his back. You, you know, he's going to try to do harm to them. You never see that. Well, this is Joseph's life for 13 years. He's made a slave, there's a rise and a crash. He's made number two in the, in the prison, so there's a rise of a kind, and he's left hanging. How can you and I apply this to our lives? I have four points. Remember I said earlier, have you ever had somebody sin against you in a significant way, or maybe you had a big personal failure and your life isn't the same anymore? Are you now working on plan B or plan C of your life? Well, since God is sovereign and God is good, the answer is no. God only has plan A for you. But because God loves us too much to leave us alone, God's plan A for us includes change and maturing because we all need it. And the process of change and maturing is painful at times. But God gives us just what we need when we need it. So, one question. Are you and I looking to God and what God provides? Think of the prayer confession. God, I need you. I need what you give me. Or are you and I trying to do life on our own? Second, I said that in all that we looked at today, and if you, again, look through the rest of it, you don't see Joseph complaining You do, and you see complaints in the Bible. The Bible is very honest about people, often showing the warts and the failures. And so you see people complaining, but you also see something else called a lament. And I talk about it because it's something that you and I need when life is hard. You see, a complaint focuses on me, focuses on what I want and what I don't have. A lament may often sound like a complaint, but it keeps an eye on God. And I found a wonderful example of this, at least I think it's a good one, from the movie Joseph, King of Dreams, and a song that Joseph sings while he's in prison.